Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws, a podcast with myself, Glyn Dewis, and my buddy, Dave Clayton. Hello. Dave, okay, so we've got uh, a couple of topics we want to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, do you want to let everyone know what they're going to be? Yeah, the first one is uh, we were just chatting before the episode about um, the photography show coming up in March at the NEC at Birmingham. Um, me and my friend Peter Treadway are actually going to be managing uh, one of the stages each, and this is my fourth year of doing the live stage. And we were chatting about the kind of instructors that we see up there, and you know, how some are good and some are okay, and... They're always no interesting. Names. No names, but they, you know, varied. But it got us. It brought us back to actually where you learn to kind of become a, a good teacher or be able to stand up and teach. And we got to the subject of workshops. And workshops are kind of very early on when I first met you. One of the first sort of main things I experienced with you was you were doing workshops at the time. So just for the people listening who who may not know you, why were you doing workshops at that time? Um. Well, to be honest, with you, I started off doing workshops fairly quickly, and it yeah. wasn't a case of people saying, "Wow, you've really, you're really good at this Photoshop thing. You should teach." And that wasn't the reason. I, my kind of background, in a nutshell, is that I've always done some kind of presentation stuff. Yeah. So as a kid, I spent a bit of time at drama school. I was entered into uh, public speaking competitions. I entered the Young Engineer of Britain. So I did all these kind of stuff where it meant me actually doing presentations. And I also was, you know, uh, bodybuilding. So I was on stage. Yeah. So being in front of people was always something that I felt very comfortable doing. Yeah. Um, and I've and as corny as it may sound, I absolutely love sharing stuff. I like sharing it. I have found for me, um, I have grown better as a retoucher and then moving progressing into the photography i have grown much quicker i believe because of sharing yes do you know what i mean so that's that's why i just love doing it yeah i must admit when i first came to your first workshop i hadn't really been to a photography workshop before i know you had and had some odd experiences with them because oh, yes. you know this is what hence this subject on this episode yeah. but it was quite interesting because you had i think the first one i came to uh, you had a couple of models, but you had about 12 people. Yeah. And standing at the background watching it, and I was taking some photographs, you can very quickly see that um, that the level of experience yes. over those 12 yeah, people yeah, yeah. was very varied because some people, you could see them, they were taking, drinking in all the knowledge. Yeah. And some people were, you had me at hello, and then you lost me at hello. And yeah, they look and, that, bored and that happens, and... Dave. No matter how how much I tried to qualify people, and what by qualifying I mean, in some way saying, what level are you at? And I know I, I kind of got this tip, uh, although he didn't tell me, I knew he did it. Joe McNally, whenever he was doing his workshops, he would get people to send in yeah. a variety of photographs that they had taken without instruction. So it'd be indoor, outdoor, flash, no flash, and all that kind of stuff to say, right, yes, I can see these people here are suitable for this workshop. Okay. So that was a great way that Joe would qualify people. And I tried to do that, but, mate, no matter how hard I tried to qualify people, very, very difficult. Because how when somebody says to you, what level are you at, are you ever going to say, oh, I'm basic, I don't know anything? Yeah. Some people may say I'm advanced, but a lot of people will say they're at this intermediate level. Yeah. But intermediate means what? Compared to who? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, no, that's no. Not a... <laughs> I said to you about... I did, I'd done the London Marathon before. When you at the beginning, you go to the start, and you, you, from the from like the start line backwards, you've got thousands of people. And what they do is they break it up into sections. So 
you have like the elite on the start line and the, always the pace brothers they do so well every year and then right at the last minute they fail <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then as you go back you have like the two hour finishers three hour finishers four and you know the, the bravado in you like i'm going to stand with the three hours and get off get off early even though you've never done it even though i've never done yeah. it and i knew i was a five to six hour kind of person yeah. or same day yeah and so you go and stand at the three hours and it goes off and i tell you what for the first hour you feel like you're running backwards mm. because so many people are overtaking you yeah and and that's what it feels like or seems to feel like at a workshop where if you over egg yourself yeah and go in for something advanced then you're actually beginner you are going to feel left behind. And you can see that in the workshops as well, because, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you want them to go away with... Well, you, I know you ask them, like, what have you learned today? And you do a recap, and and then you get a lot of feedback. And I think that's the thing with workshops, is seeing what you did, and obviously knowing you, you were doing workshops for the right reasons. You were sharing. But we both know we've seen people who do workshops for the wrong reasons, and yeah. they see it as a payday. It's yeah, like yeah, you yeah. said, it's like the, the wedding photographer. It is now, uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's kind of like the, the mod, I kind of equate it to the modern day wedding photographer. And I'm not putting down wedding photographers. Or, yeah, because the they reason work I, hard. Absolutely. I couldn't do that. For love and money, I couldn't do that. But the, the reason I say that is because I have certainly experienced some people who, there's one guy in particular, obviously I won't name him, but I remember it clearly when he would literally just got his camera a month before. And he was sat with me and he says, he's trying to think, how can I make money quickly? Yeah. And he says, I'm going to start doing some weddings. And that honestly incensed me because somebody is spending. I mean, now when Chris, when me and Anne got married, you're looking. I mean, we didn't pay this because we had a very yeah. small wedding. But £10,000 for a wedding was nothing. Then. Yeah. You know, we didn't pay that. But £10,000 was nothing. I dread to think what it is now. But you've got somebody who's spending thousands and thousands on a wedding. Yeah. And as a wedding photographer, you're treating that as a quick payday. Yeah. If they're paying that much for a wedding, you better, that's their one special day in their life that you sh you should be able to nail that, oh. no matter what the situation is thrown at you. You can't treat that as a way to make yeah. a quick bit of money when you're not even, you're not skilled. And also, a lot of photographers, there's a lot more stories now on on online blogs is where these wedding photographers, horror stories oh, are being called out. out. And, and now they're being sued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. even if they've got, well, a lot of them probably go into it without any kind of pub public liability insurance or anything yeah, yeah, yeah. you're ruining this person's day because you've taken a little point and shoot and you're just thinking well i can charge one one thousand two thousand wedding photography rate and you're ruining or I like their to day do, i do i like to do reportage yeah. long lens catch them from distance no you're not skilled enough and you should not be doing that person's wedding. Yeah. but we're going off track a little yeah i'm going off track a little and bit. it's like the workshops. weddings will probably be another topic at yeah. some point. but yeah getting back to the workshop side of things it seems that you know people now rather than saying i'll do weddings to make some money quickly I'll start doing workshops because maybe somebody has said something like, wow, you're really good at this. You know, you should teach this. Just like last week's episode when we talked about comments. Yeah. You know, what's the value of a comment really? Oh, amazing. Amazing. Totes amaze and thumbs up and preach your hands. And then they go and start to do a workshop. But again, it's not quite this kind of uh, level of expense as a wedding, I would suggest. But you've still got people who have who are actually giving you money that they have been to work for. Yeah. That they've got up early, they've worked, you know, during the day at whatever kind of job they have, spending time away from their family. They're now coming up, although they've been at work all week, they're now going to be away from their family for another day yeah. to come and spend with you. You better well bloody deliver well. Yeah. Because that is that is a big commitment from somebody. And if you're not up to it, then don't do it. Oh, you'll build a bad reputation really quickly. And well, work it, it will get takes, round now. Absolutely. And it'll spread like wildfire. Yeah. You know, with, the, with social media the way it is now, you do one thing, that's it. It spreads really quickly. Yeah. It used to be that 
before social media, if somebody had a bad experience, they'd tell nine people. Yeah. Now, you have a bad experience. You post it online, oh, nine million. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a massive, massive Yeah, spread. and these photo websites need news, and they'll take any news. And if they can build a story and get a bad experience, they'll share that, and yeah. that'll be out there. Yeah, so, Glim, workshops. Mm-hmm. You used to do them. Yep. I'm not doing them now. Yep. And I know there's a video that you've put out there, which I'd suggest people go and find on your YouTube channel. But we'll just, put a link to that in there. Yeah, but just an overview. Why did you stop? It, Dave, it's pretty much because of what we've already talked about. I, um, It's important for me that people were getting what they wanted from a workshop because I'm not in this short term. This for me isn't a sprint, this whole kind of photography and retouching kind of career I've got. This is a long term thing. Um, and I don't want to be in this to make a quick book. Sure, people like to make money quickly, but yeah. if I'm finding that somebody's not getting what they want from something that I'm doing, then it's not. I shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's not because I'm not capable. You know, I'm not going to say that. What it is is getting back to the qualifying thing. No matter how hard I tried to qualify people to come to the workshop, people would never. You'd never get people at a exact same level or yeah. thereabouts on that particular day. Um, so what I hated the thought of was somebody, let's say if it's somebody who's very basic knowledge and somebody who's really experienced, no matter what you do at the end of that workshop, one of those people is going to leave feeling a little bit disappointed yeah. because it was either too basic for the advanced person or it was too advanced for the basic person. Yeah. So you're never going to get that. And I thought, well, that, that I can't, it just did not sit right with me. That is why I kind of made the decision, really, and I suppose this is the way to go nowadays because everything's digital, yeah. is to record tutorials as if people were there with me. Yeah. So, I mean, I recorded that, uh, I think it was probably last week, the tutorial came out, the Rosa one. I flew to the Netherlands, uh, you know, obviously paid all the money to try and get this thing recorded. Uh, my friend Frank Dorhoff filmed it for me with multiple cameras so that we can jump from one kind of view to another as if you are there with me. And I went through absolutely everything and what i like about that is the fact that no matter what level you're at there will always be something to learn yes okay so if you're watching that package that i've put together if you're finding you're kind of like losing it and you're not really quite understanding it stop it go back a little bit and listen to it again and again until it does go in if it's too if you're finding i know this jump forward to the next video yes i by me allowing people to do that by sharing content in that particular way everybody as in my eyes is getting their money's worth. Yeah. That's what they want. And it doesn't just stop there. Then there's going to be things like forums where people can then post their, what they've done. I can then critique it. Because you, you've never found that with, with workshops as well. This is another thing, actually, mate, that people almost said to me, it'd be really good at the end of the day if you could look at what we've done yes. and give us a critique. But you just didn't have the time. No. So you'd have people, you'd show them photography, they'd then step in and probably copy your settings and in a way and they're not really learning by doing that. No, no. Then you'd go and do they have lunch, then you do the retouching. So I'm not gonna then go around fifteen people and sit with them for quite a while saying, Try this, do this. You might want to bring that a little bit down there. And everyone's you, is different anyway. Everybody's is different anyway. You kind of have to do it almost like a, a sweeping statement to everybody. Here's what we're doing, everybody. Do this, do this. And everybody else is kind of hiding behind their screen going, I didn't get what you yeah. did there. Did but you see everyone that? hold up their laptop and I'm just going to point at you. Get out. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Amazing. But, hands up, yeah. hands. but that is the reason why. Yeah. I, it didn't sit well with me that people weren't getting what they wanted. Yeah. And now you've started to do, although you're not doing workshops anymore, you're now doing the, the video tutorials, mm-hmm. which seems to be uh, quite a popular thing now because you've got LinkedIn, you've got Skillshare, you've got Kelby One, you've got yep. Creative Live. 
that people like to learn at their own pace, but you've yep. also started doing some one-to-one -one stuff with people as well. Yeah, one-to-ones I absolutely love. Um, there was a girl called Lorraine Jardim who contacted me about doing a one-to-one, -one, and I love that. And yeah, on a one-to-one, -one, if all you're focusing on is the money, you're not going to make as much by doing a one-to-one -one tutorial because you can't charge what 15 people would have, you know, in total charged for doing a one-to-one. -one. Yeah. But I'm in this for the long term. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And what's Lorraine going to do? We had a fantastic day. What we talked about on that day is definitely subject for another podcast, by the way. Um, but we left, and I've seen her work since. We've kept in touch ever since, and she is producing absolutely brilliant work. And I'm not yeah. kind of singing my own praises here, but I'm really glad we got together because what I did was we kind of said, look, she'd been had this in kind of like thing pushed into her saying, you must follow rules, you must do this, you must do that. And I showed her how I work, yeah. and I'm no maverick, but I'm saying, look, if there's rules there, Okay, we understand why there are rules, but let's try doing something different. And yeah. she has really moved on. And I love doing one-to-ones. It's all about, this is, and it sounds so corny, this is all about relationships. Yeah. Long-term, if you're in this for long-term, it's all about relationships. Yeah. I'm not interested in being a here-today, gone-tomorrow. No, and you can do the follow-ups. And the other thing with workshops as well that we've seen is you do actually get serial workshoppers. Oh, definitely, yeah. And, they, yeah, and they, yeah, yeah. they just come and come and come. And the danger Groupies. is, yeah, is, yeah and if, if you... If you are deciding, oh, I'm going to make a living out of workshops, I'm going to rely on it, I'm going to rely on that person coming back or those five people. So I'll do a workshop next Saturday, those five people will turn up, that's £500 in the bank, and then I'll get 500 more. That's a nice payday. Yeah, um, so, so the, again, if I was doing workshops and I had that happening, if there were kind of like groupies that came along, I would actually then say, listen, I don't think you should come on this one. Why don't me and you arrange to do a half a day together? Yeah. Because if you're having to come to this many, maybe there's something you're missing when there's a group. And a lot of times in a group as well, when you're doing it, and this is, I guess this goes for anything that you're teaching, it's that kind of peer pressure that if you're not getting it and it looks like everybody else is, you're not going to put your hand up. Or a lot no. of people, I would suggest, wouldn't put their hand up and say, I don't get that, for the fear of feeling a little bit daft. Yeah. So then they just keep it to themselves, they leave, and they've not got what they wanted. Yeah. On a one-to-one, -one, it's all access. And also, I think some people seem to be using workshops as a... I can't be bothered to go and, and do it myself. Yeah. I'll go to the workshop. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. two, three more pictures in my yeah. portfolio. And that's not just workshops, mate. That's events as well. Because, yeah. incidentally, I am still doing events, talks, yeah. seminars, and that kind of stuff. We're talking about events that I would advertise and people would pay and come along to. That's right. But events, what you're saying there about people almost relying on workshops as being their primary income, I've got a problem with that. Yeah. Because people are, there are people who are natural teachers. Oh, there's and some I think, great to be honest people with that, who teach. That I am... I love I loved to teach, you know what I mean? But I know that I can't rely on that. I had a conversation with somebody on social media recently and they were kind of um, expressing their uh, kind of dislike about the fact that we're getting some... They had a company who was asking them to present for them at an event. Yeah. I think it was something like the photography show. But they weren't going to pay them for it. Yeah. And they were ranting and raving about that. And I kind of get why they were ranting and raving about it. But it's a two-way thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I first, my initial thoughts were, it sounds to me like you're relying on events as an income. Absolutely. When really, it should be a supplementary income. It yeah. should be something as a bonus. For want of a better phrase, beer money. Do you know what I mean? Extra yeah. little bit of money to make. And yeah, companies, If and I would also say that if a company is kind of treating it that, oh, we'll get you know, such and such a person, they'll come and present to us. And they're already, even before speaking to you, they're thinking, we won't pay them because they're going to be able to promote themselves on stage. I would probably say that the relationship isn't there with that company. Yeah. You'd need to have a rethink about what the relationship is. If somebody is assuming stuff, that ain't right. Yeah, if it's like, 
I've given you this, I own you. you every, every event I've got, you're coming to it and you're going to be my person. What do you mean if a company gives you products? Yeah, if I, they might give you... Um, you know, we get it with our, with our designers at work. If we give, if we give a designer one of our uh, plugins to say, you know, can you create something? The plugin might be £60. Now, I know full well that a designer's time is worth more than that. So, but what we're building is a relationship with them. And just because we've given them the product doesn't mean we own them. Doesn't mean we can just demand anything off them. Yeah. And, and similarly, with the event thing you were saying about turning up because you've been sponsored, is the other thing with the workshops going back is running a workshop that is actually a constant advert. So instead of teaching people how to how to learn something, mm. you're actually going, okay, today we're going to be using this X Acme yeah. light with this Acme thing that's only two hundred pounds. And yeah, let's just yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Let's just get our um, Acme tripod over here and just set this up. And this yeah. is the R two hundred, which is a. And then the workshop is actually a, a, an an advert. Yes, because you've been given the gear, yeah. and, uh, and it's that relationship where I think we're going to talk this, about this. We another are, yeah. Time. This is kind of, and also is, this is kind of leading on to the bit we'll talk about after this as well. Yeah, hashtag, yeah. It's yeah. kind of the, the the brand ambassador <laughs> thing, but yeah, it's you know you should be able to see now that because there's so much content out there, yeah, you're spoiled for choice, um, and it's hard work. You have got to go through some bad stuff. It's like anything. You like watching stuff on Netflix. There's dirge. You move it out of the way. You find the good stuff. Yeah. But once you've found those people, once you've found that method of learning, and the same with YouTube as well, is you you tune in to a style or a person, and then you become not a loyal follower, but you become a good customer, and you give the reason to be taught well. So whether it be workshops or events, you know, you even you when you do events, you do have people come back to see you because yeah, yeah. they always learn from you. They enjoy the way you deliver it. You're very sharing. I mean, that's the one of the things we said about with, um, with Kelby One, with, with Photoshop World, is Scott always picks his instructors. Yeah. But, I mean, you probably can say yeah, it yeah, better I, the, because the, you started the, um, before me. The whole, the whole Kelby One, Photoshop World, and uh, previously NAPP, uh, it's what Scott always says there is obviously because we we see the same kind of uh, we see the same people who yeah. become really great friends when we go to those events and we're lucky enough to be asked to go back. Uh, but one thing that's interesting about what Scott said when he chooses the people who are going to present for him, I mean, there's I don't know what is it twenty five thirty maybe. Yes, yeah, there's always a, at least thirty. It's about thirty instructors that will teach over that period of what can be with the pre conference sessions maybe three and a half days, yeah. something like that. Uh, and he says, he advertises on there saying uh, some of the best in the world, which yeah. is fantastic to be put under that umbrella. However, he does also say, he's you know, that obviously there are many, many other fantastically talented people out there. Yeah. Okay. But what Scott says is he chooses the people who are not only talented, but are also doing it for the right reasons. Now, I'm not saying that there are people out there who are also like that and they're not getting, get being picked. Yeah. It may just be that Scott doesn't know about them. And yeah. I'm only using Scott as an example with Virtual World because that's, we know we're fortunate yeah. to be there. Uh, and, we've, and we've seen new instructors New come instructors in. coming in, which is great. We've got Mark Heaps coming in this particular year's yeah. one. Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Uh, I think Tracy Sweeney. Tracy Sweeney. So there's some real great names coming. And that's the great thing about this, because sometimes you get people saying, you've had it, I know. How can I teach at Photoshop World? Oh, yeah. And it's not about 
somebody, you know, oh, oh, can I teach a Photoshop world, please? Because yeah. I would suggest you if you Scott, ask, you're never going to get yeah, to it. Yeah, can you ask Scott Kelby if I, if I can do a class on Kelby 1? Or can no. you ask Scott Kelby if I can do teach a Photoshop world? No, it's, it's all about being getting noticed by being consistent. Yeah. That's all it's all about. But again, we're going off topic. Yeah, yeah. This happens a lot with me and you. I know. But this is like a typical 10-minute, yeah. i.e. two-hour phone it's call kind conversation of, that we have. Some, you know, like with most things, do it for the right reasons yeah. and have the mindset for that. And there are people who won't have that mindset. They will just go out and do workshops, but they will soon find they'll get found out very quickly. And if they're relying on that as an income, they're going to find out very quickly that when that drops, you know, the worst thing you can do is go from doing the £299 workshop so all of a sudden you're doing 29 pounds. Mate, workshops. I know people who are doing it for ridiculous. So they'll find the more workshops they're doing, they're having to work harder yeah. because they're having to charge less and so to on get and so on and so on. Now, what I, what I will say is, you know, again, we're very fortunate to have some incredible friends out there in the industry that we've met purely because of being in this industry. You know, uh, friends like Joel Grimes, Joe McNally and so on. They yeah. do the occasional workshops and I know they completely nail it when they do it. Yeah. Um, how could they not? Do you less, know what I mean? Less is more. With them. Less is, that, is more. Absolutely, thing, but... absolutely. Um, so yeah, there are people out there who have got this kind of workshop thing really nailed. But again, they are doing it for the right reasons. Absolutely, absolutely doing it for the right yeah. reasons. So I would be really interested uh, if anybody's listening to this and they do workshops, uh, and you you know you're getting great results with them. People are leaving uh, all happy. Fantastic. I would love to know the secret there. What is it that you're doing that qualifies people? Yeah. What is the best way of qualifying people? Is it what I mentioned about Joe McNally getting people to send pictures in? Yeah. Can you trust that the pictures they send in are taken by themselves and not at a workshop under instruction? I don't yeah. know. Um, so I'd be really interested to hear that, maybe in a comment that somebody could yeah. leave or whatever. And maybe you do a series of workshops. Maybe you do encourage people to come back because the next workshop will be teaching something different. And I know there's some people online that I'm not going to name names because I, I've not attended their things, but I, you can see that they build up... Um, oh, in fact, Peter Hurley. Peter Hurley, for a good example, yeah. does workshops. He does his headshot workshops. And, you know, for me, not being a photographer, I, I see a headshot. I know it's one of Pete Hurley's or one of his, like, protégés. Yeah. But he does do repeat workshops, and he does do it. And this one, we're going to learn this. If you come to a workshop, you're going to get X amount off the next workshop. And in that one, I'm going to teach you that. And so it it's called what they call upselling. Yeah. So this is step one. This would then be step two. And, and I totally agree with that because... Um, for obviously, what some people when they when their pains come to a workshop, they want to just have as much information thrown at them thrown at them as possible. Yeah. Danger is they're not going to take it all in. No. So if you condense it into small bite-sized chunks that you can digest and then go on and then use, that's the best way of doing it. So this upselling of workshops is definitely the way to go. Yeah. But what we're what we're just talking about, one thing that's just coming to my head, and this is more for people who attend workshops and events. If you are somebody who's booked a ticket to go on it. Before you go on that workshop, arrange a photo shoot that happens the next day or the day after. Yeah. So that then you can keep running with what the uh, knowledge you've gained or maybe even just the motivation and the enthusiasm yeah, you've gained. Run with it. Because what you're the last thing you want to do is what happens a lot of times when people go to seminars and big three-day events like Photoshop World, they have nothing planned in the diary to then apply what they've learned straight yeah. afterwards. So they go up and they go down. Yeah. They go to another event, they go up, they go down, and it's those peaks and troughs. I think the way to progress in this, uh, be it photography, be it design, be it whatever you're in, 
is to become consistent. Yeah. Don't have the peaks and troughs because you no. look. It's kind of like, you know, having to to push the car. If you push the car, then stop. Push the car and stop. That's hard work every time. If you just get that inertia going, get it moving, it's easy to keep it yeah. going then, isn't it? And like we said with it in the last episode, we were talking about being a good commenter as well. You know, be a good attendee. Before you go to a workshop, before you even part with your money, research the photographer. See if yes. they've done any other workshops. Look at their background. Is there any content about them? Ask questions about them. Even ask the instructor questions. Email them ahead and say, look, I'd like, I really like to learn this. Will I learn this on the day? Yeah, yeah. And go with the intention of learning at least one or two things because at least if you find the thing you understand, you can focus on it. And then, like you say, come come straight away and practice that thing and leave feedback. Yes. Yeah. Con- follow up with the photographer. If you've got any questions, you know, don't be afraid to follow up because a good workshop instructor will follow up with you. And they'll want to know feedback. And yeah. if they don't accept the feedback, well, then you know, don't you? Yeah. you? Then you know. But if if it was, I know that I've had many people before at the end of it who said, I've really enjoyed this, this, and this. It might be worth next time doing this, this, and this. And yeah. you think, okay. Initially, you're like, oh, right, okay. But then when you sit and think about it, no, that's good they've said that. Do you know what I mean? It's good that they've said it to me rather than yeah. going online and posting it. You didn't do this, you didn't do that, which is so easily done. Yeah, come and speak and to your face. And we we'll change face. their comment anyway. We, and we'll cha- <laughs> yeah, listen to last week's, we'll change their comment anyway. But Dave, I think that's probably enough on workshops yeah. and events. Let's uh, now it's, go on to our next topic. And we'll keep this kind of brief because yeah. there's only so much we can talk about this. Before we, before we do, let's have a quick word from our sponsor. Let's do that. Today's episode is sponsored by Rocky Nook, publishers of great photography books by authors such as Scott Kelby, Alan Hess, and our very own Glyn Dewis. For your chance to win a free book, just leave us a comment. So following on from that, thanks to our sponsors Rocky Nook, uh, just to mention last week we had a signed copy of Alan Hess's Enthusiast Guide to Night and Low Light Photography. And we'll be sending it out to our winner. We will we'll post it online who's won that. I've actually got another copy for this week. And then going forward, just because we don't know where the winner's going to be, uh, it's going to be an ebook that you yep. win because it's just easier to deliver. Is that any ebook? Uh, I think it's going to be any ebook. I've cool. got to check with guys at Rocky Nook, but they've very kindly sponsored each episode. We love Rocky we Nook. We love, we love them. <laughs> they're our, they're our favourite book publisher. They are. They, they are. are, and they've got great covers. They have. They yes. have. Yeah. All right, cool. So um, our second that was, topic—that was me being a brand ambassador. It was. Which brings <laughs> us on. Uh, which brings us nicely onto this other topic. You know, we don't want to go on too much about this because, my God, we could have a whole episode on this because yeah. we have some long conversations yeah. talking about this. I think we'll get a lot of feedback with this. Oh, I think so. Uh, Dave, do you want to tell everyone what it is? Yes, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Glenn. So, as the non-photographer in the room, I follow a lot of photographers okay. because I'm in that world yep. and because you're my friend and I like <laughs> your friends. And the thing that I'm seeing a lot of is the over... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call them unofficial ambassadors. Okay. And that is because I think these are people who aren't a brand ambassador. Yeah but they very much appear to be on social media. And it's like every single post they put, they have to list every piece of equipment they've used. Right. Hashtag the hell out of it. And it's not just like, you know, for me, I use hashtags as a, as a, as a search engine. So quite often, I don't look for things on Google. I look for things on Twitter. Okay. Um, because if I want a specific thing, like I'm a football fan, I do hashtag QPR, that's my team. I see every post that's about QPR. 
and generally a lot of people moaning about how poor we are but or if i want to learn graphic design i'll, I'll do gra hashtag graphic design and i might find some cool books or artists to follow so it's kind of my search engine so, so just, just stepping in there, then, yeah. tri let me just pretend that I have no idea what that is. Uh, I'm guessing that. So a hashtag yes. is something that you're going to put before a word. Yes. So like hashtag Sony. Yes. Because I use Sony. Yes. Uh, and you can then use that to search for posts with that content. Yeah. Okay. Now, think of how you search on Google. Okay. If you just go into Google and just think, okay, I want some information on Sony cameras. Mm -hmm. If you just go into Google and type... Sony. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get Sony's website, but Sony also do TVs yep. and they do other products. So you type in Sony camera or where can I buy a Sony camera? So you think think of it how you search on Google for things. You find a way to, to narrow down your search. So a hashtag acts like uh, at the index in the back of a book. If I go into the back of any book and I'm looking for a specific word, I'll see it and it will tell me it's on page 32. So okay. that's what the hashtag for me is doing. So using hashtags when you're doing a post on, say, uh, Twitter, Instagram, I think you can do it on Facebook as well. Yeah, you can now. Yeah. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So what's the bad thing? The bad thing is too many and too many irrelevant ones. So, so how many is too many? Or how well, many is an acceptable amount? Because well, I know what I do. If I tell you I do, I would suggest I never do more now. In the past, I've been terrible, but I've since learned... Three or four max, I would suggest. Yeah, I think if depending, for me, I generally do like graphic design, or I'll hashtag the artist, or uh, Adobe Illustrator, or sometimes I'll tag the app. So, so I'll tag the user rather than the hashtag, or sometimes both. So if I've maybe bought a really cool book, I will put hashtag graphic design. What I won't do is hashtag book or hashtag mm. magazine yeah because if it's graphic design book that's okay but if you start putting hashtag book hashtag magazine hashtag bookshelf hashtag shelf that's hashtag kind of like pine. if i wanted to find uh, on google something about arnold schwarzenegger and typing in the search muscle yeah that's just a, it's yeah. just so broad isn't it so it, i don't know i i really don't understand and if you can i know there's instagram and twitter and social media experts out there who live and breathe for this stuff mostly for monetization but just f using the hashtag correctly as a search engine it's when you start posting things like hashtag you know wednesday hashtag shoes it, it hashtag feels, i love wednesday yeah hashtag yeah. i love shoes hashtag who the hell is going to search that? Yeah, so it feels more like that people are using the hashtag more as an extension of the message. Yeah. In like in sometimes hashtags are like bunny ears when you do the inverted yeah, yeah, quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but on the going on to the brand ambassador stuff because I think it's just ridiculous if you just keep posting hashtags for the sake of posting it. Um, but when it becomes something like a brand in, where you're trying to be a brand ambassador where you're labelling everything you've used. My, oh, and this that. is my opinion. And, you know, if you do it and you do it correctly, great. But I was saying to someone at work the other day that if I see a photographer post an image on Instagram, and, and even as a non-photographer, I can tell it's awful, you know, badly lit, badly composited or whatever. And then they're hashtagging 
for example, I'll say, I don't want to single out a camera. We'll, we'll use Acme. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. From the old Wiley E. Coyote. So Acme cameras, Acme flash, Acme tripod. They're posting it. And if I was that brand and I saw someone kept posting it, I wouldn't be contacting them saying, oh, wow, you keep mentioning us. We should give you loads of free things. What I'd actually be saying is, can you stop tagging my my yeah. equipment because you're if other people see your bad work yeah but they don't see it as bad dave no because they, they they're, get... they're sharing their picture they think it's good but i so i get what you're saying who's yeah. ever going to say i'm posting this picture is not not good however i have seen people posting somebody in particular posting saying uh this isn't my best work i'm getting better hashtag acme hashtag acme <laughs> tripod why would you do that? Yeah. Admitting this isn't my very good work and then saying, I used all this kit. If I was then the owner of Acme Cameras, yeah. then I'd be saying, Oi, can you stop tagging us, please? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And they're but just I... doing this, gone fishing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, you're supposed to really look at it now. Why are they doing this hashtagging thing? It's, I, I mean, could be wrong, but I think it is purely on the hope, on a wing and a prayer, that the company goes, hey, you're really good. We should work with you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that. I, I had a dealings with a guy recently. This was a photographer. He was a working photographer. And I said to him, so if you weren't here today with me, what would you be doing? And he said, I'll be sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring. <laughs> and the guy who was helping me hashtag on the day... Phone, hashtag ring. Yeah. The guy who was helping me, I mean, I had to laugh because he said to me, uh, or I said to him, he said, do you ever find yourself ringing BT, British Telecom, to see if your phone's still working? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, you can't, how can you expect to sit at home waiting for the phone to ring? What happened to face-to-face? -face? Get out there, pound the streets, put the miles in. It's the same thing now with hashtagging. Hoping if I tag them, they're going to notice me. Yeah. And, dare I say it, give me some freebies. Yeah. But there's a funny thing. Photographers not wanting to work for free but expecting companies to give them yeah, stuff I know. for free. That was the other thing. Is that, you know, as a designer, I don't really just, you know, if, if I use a Wacom and Photoshop, well, they're the industry standard tools. You know, there is no other tablet. Wacom are the best tablet. <laughs> Hashtag, Hashtag Wacom. Hashtag Wacom are the best. <laughs> yeah. But no, I don't want a free Wacom tablet because I want to use it because it's the brand I trust and I'll pay for it and, and then I and know. And you had one before you even were. I don't know if you, yeah. you're, not, you're not working with Wacom. You're not doing no, it. not at all. So you've purchased it, you use it and what have you. Yeah. yeah it's great. I use it, I buy it because it's the tool that I need. I, why should I get it for free? Even with the, the more exposure that I get now, I don't. I don't want. I don't ask for free equipment. In fact, even the no, people, you don't ask for it. Don't ask. That's for the it. difference. If somebody came to me and said, um, in fact, I was talking to someone the other day about this, and they use a Wacom tablet, and they'd been approached by an alternative tablet manufacturer, mm. and said, we will give you this amount of money, and we'll give you our latest tablet. All you need to do on your tutorials is show that you're using it and keep saying it. And he said, why would? Why? why? Would I do that? Yeah. Why? Because when it breaks down. It's going to be, I've, you know, he had a big following, like 150,000, even quarter of a million people on YouTube. If that thing breaks down, that's 250,000 yeah. people that are never going to touch that tablet. And they're going to tell another 250,000 yeah. people and so on. And, and so he's on. not going to use a product. So if you are going to be uh, some kind of brand ambassador and you are, you know, if you're a high level photographer and you are sponsored by the Flash Center or Sony or yeah. someone, you have a relationship with that brand mm -hmm. and you of course will say that I, I, I'm doing this shoot but you don't need to do it in every single post because in the end it's like for me following you say okay I get, I it. get it I get it yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing worse when you see somebody posting stuff online 
where it's maybe one line of text saying, here's a new picture I took in, in um, Florence, Italy. Yeah. Hashtag Florence. And it just goes on and on and on. And it's like, oh my God, yeah. can you stop that? But I mean, you mentioned there about using the Wacom stuff. On on a personal note, for me, yes, I have. I'm now fortunate enough to have companies approach me, which is brilliant. One thing I've never done, I'll just say this for the record, I have never approached a company. No, and I said that from day one. I never wanted to go cap in hand to a company saying, "Please, can I have some stuff?" I always wanted to get in a position where companies wanted to work with me. Absolutely. But all the people that I am working with now, the companies that I do have uh, relationships with. Absolutely, 100% hands down, I was using their stuff before that I was even approached. Yeah. So I'd use my own money to buy their product, and I was only using it not because I was hoping to work with them, but because for me, it was the best product for what I needed. It was yes. fit for purpose. And The I minute know, it becomes not fit for purpose, yeah. Dave, it's gone. And I know with you is when I met you, you shot Nikon. Yep. When Nikon couldn't do the job when Nikon didn't have the right kind of equipment for you... Yeah, it was you, a tethering thing. Yeah, for the, you, you couldn't sold see it, the back of the camera, yeah. And you went Canon. Yeah. And you paid for all your Canon gear. Everything, I remember you yeah. sold everything on eBay, you got the money, you bought Canon. Yeah. And then you found you used Canon for quite a while. Yeah. And then when you found, uh, you actually, I think you started, you used the Sony once and you found that Sony was giving you a different kind well, of... Well, I'd kind of got to the point of my retouching where with the Canon 5D Mark III, which I still love, it's still a fantastic camera and I would still use it, for doing other kinds of photography, but not for what I'm doing now, because yeah. I found with my retouching, I do certain things when I bring out quite a bit of detail and I work in colorizing. I found that when I was using the methods I used for colorizing my pictures, I was getting artifacts and the images breaking yeah. down. I wasn't getting that with Sony. Now, I was out in um, at the professional imaging show last year, which was January time. Uh, no, was it March? No, March time, yeah, sorry. March. And I got speaking then to representatives from Sony, and it kind of looked like they wanted to do some stuff with me. And they said, Look, here's some contact details. When you get back to the UK, we'll be in touch. Now I was thinking, Wow, fantastic. I'm going to be able to work with Sony. I love this camera. Yeah. This would be a great relationship. I get back. I didn't contact them because I said, I'm not going cap in hand. Yeah. I didn't hear from them for four weeks. Right. I want the Sony. I'm buying it. Yeah. Now I've got it. All It's all my own money. Nobody has possession of me. No. I am my own person and I use that camera. And I got it because it's fit for purpose. That's the only reason. Yeah. And that's the thing with the, um, again, you're using it for the right reasons. And if you use a brand and you're happy happy to share information about it and, and say, I use this camera because or I use this camera and it helped me do this, then you're, you're giving value to you as a photographer because you understand the equipment mm. you're using. And it is good for the brand as well because, you know, they 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 appreciate it. Now, on the flip side of that, um, and this is something it is now becoming a bit of a growing trend because advertising has always, always been with us mm. is and on Instagram, more so on Twitter because people are trying to monetize everything at the moment mm-hmm. and there's a lot of content, is people paying you, like we just said, mm. if I give you... 50 quid, will you put a post on saying you uh, wear Acme shoes or you wear an Acme t-shirt, an Acme hat, when you don't? Mm. So if I see that, and I know it's a blatant... It's like the Wayne's... Do you remember the Wayne's World sketch where they say about not advertising and he opens the pizza and he's drinking Pepsi and wearing the cap? And that's what it feels like. Whenever I see them, it always feels like I'm never going to buy that product because the person I knew... It's wearing it or it's drinking it. It's just blatant that they're doing it because it's screaming money, money, quid. money. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. And and then you get your feed is fill up. I mean, 
just purely from uh, Instagram sponsorship as it is, is every si- I don't I don't know if you've seen this if I told you it. If I I'll show you when I go through my Instagram now, and we can't complain about social media; it's free. Yeah, we don't pay for this. I get six posts from friends. Yeah, the seventh is always sponsored. And then six, and the seventh is all. I, I do get a lot of advertising. Although Anne, my wife, my God, she, her feed is more advertising than friends and people she's following. It really? is her, honestly, and they will say, "Click here if this isn't relevant for you." It disappears. Scroll down. Then another one starts popping up. It's like she cannot get rid of it. She's no. just bombarded with advertising. And now, if the gaps in between are then loads of people just constantly being their own advert. Mm. It sort of takes the fun away a little bit. I know we've all got to make a living and we've got to use the tools to hand, yeah. but I think taking it all the way back to where we started with the over-hashtag and then the over-brand tagging yeah. is, I just think, ask just stop for a minute. and Because I think sometimes you can do it and forget you're doing it. Yeah, it's, it's Just take a step back and think, are you doing it for you, for self-satisfaction? Are you doing it to actually help people who are following you? Because, you know, like I said, for me, a hashtag is a search tool. I know that if I click on that thing, I'm going to see some really good content, as long as people have spelled it right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if I see graphy design or, um, you know, spell it right, I use it as a search tool. And I find so much content and so many great pieces of information and designers because I follow a specific, mm. very directed hashtag. And I only need to see two or three in a post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I see people who are constantly posting, and and when you see they've got maybe two or three comments, and you look at the comments, and it's them again posting even more. Well, there was that, there was that one app. I don't. I did use it because I was guilty of this. There was an app called Tags for Likes. Yeah. And you would type in, let's say, photography, and it would bring up. I think the limit was thirty of the most common. To hashtags at that time to yeah. do with photography and there was an option to copy it and paste it into that's your thing. right so it's just masses and masses of, of hashtags yeah but i mean my mind goes all over the shop dave i know we just talked about the monetization side of things there um as examples i had uh, when it comes to doing things purely for the money and it's screaming out loud that somebody's doing something for the money there's a there's a guy that we both know uh, that one one uh, week you'll see him doing a video saying, I'm using this software. This is the best software I've found for such and such. Yeah. It's like an advert for the program, for the actual bit of software. The next week, he's then saying, I now use this software to do yeah. this. And it's like, hold on a second, you're jumping from yeah. one thing. And it, for me, it just screams, I just bought you're that last doing week. this. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for the recommendation. <laughs> you're doing this for the money. Yes. Again, not in it for the right reasons. No. And that there is incredibly damaging for your reputation. A reputation that can take a long time to build yeah. and then a moment to, to completely wreck. Oh, absolutely. When you're riding the wave and you're putting content out, and we've said this before about putting a value on something, even like on a workshop, you, you know if I go to a £29 workshop versus a £1,000 workshop, I know the £1,000 workshop it better be damn good. I, I, do you know what? It just made me think there. I had, although I'm using Squarespace now yeah. for my uh, my main portfolio website because it's lovely and clean and stuff like that, going back a few years when I wasn't using them, I mm. had Squarespace approach me yeah. and they offered me several thousand dollars 
to uh, advertise in three of my videos on YouTube. Yeah. And that would have been a, a sort of like a three or four minute script, which was dropped in with a little bit of a video advertising Squarespace within my videos. They yeah. wanted it in three. So in total, you're looking at 15 minutes worth of advertising over three videos for several thousand dollars, mm. which sounds great. And you think, wow, I'll jump at that. But I turned them down. I completely turned them down because I said, I don't use your stuff. Yeah. How? What am I going to do? How stupid am I going to look if I run that advert and somebody said to me, uh, somebody who's followed me, oh, emails me and said, space? how do you find it? I'm thinking of doing it. How do I do this, this and this? And I go, I uh, don't know. I'm not using it. Yeah. Credibility through the floor. Yeah. Completely gone. So that's why I turned them down. Now I'm now using Squarespace paid for by my own pocket. Yes. I didn't take up any advertising. I wasn't going to wait for them to contact me or anything like that whatsoever. I had their details. I could have contacted them because they did actually contact me at the end, uh, beginning of last year and I wasn't using it again. So I said yeah. no. And I've just gone with it because I wanted it. It's the best platform I found that worked for me. That's where I've gone with it. But it's yeah. out of my own pocket. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And that's the thing. You don't want to get stuck by being feeling like you're owned by someone because of a brand as well. Is you know, the, be honest share good content and just just don't be a hashtag don't be hashtag, a hashtag hashtag hashtagger we'll put a link in the uh on my page where this is currently held we are going to yeah. we'll let you know when the website's up and running but for now go to glindewis.com forward slash hshd podcast and this is episode this is our third episode, third episode. yeah so in the actual uh, description part of that i'm going to put a link to a video on youtube yeah jimmy fallon and Justin Timberlake, oh, yeah, yeah, the hashtagging good. video. It is now, hilarious. So, now, speaking of hashtags, if you do put any comments on social media so that we can find them, is if you do hashtag HSHD, we can, we can have a search thing set up. So every time a post comes up with hashtag HSHD, we can see the question and then we can answer it. So although it sounds like we've been a bit, yeah, we hate hashtags, <laughs> we don't. No. But what we'd like you to do is tell us how you use them and how you yes. found them effective and and you know shoot us down by all means shoot us down if you're monetizing it and you're making a living from it um i don't think it's going to be a long-term income stream i think it will become saturated but if you are finding ways that we've not covered where hashtags work or yeah. you found a really good way of using them then please you know share, share it. it with us share it with yeah. people because it's you know we want this to be useful we want we want you to prove us wrong as well. Totally, yeah. We've just yeah. got an opinion. It's our opinion. It's not necessarily right, but that's that's the content of our podcast. Nicely, want... nicely said. Nicely yes. said. So, yeah, any questions you've got, anything you want to comment about what we've said, anything we don't know uh, to do with this that you think, Glenn, Dave, you should know about this because such and such, yeah. post it. Let us know about it. But that's pretty much, again, without looking and, or sounding rather like the two men off the Muppet show that are yes. moaning. <laughs> We did say in the pilot episode, these are going to be like you listening to our phone calls because yeah. this is what we do. Oh, right? yeah, this is us sitting in, a, <laughs> sitting in a room in some random place at an event just going, why did he do that? Why is he... Glenn, look at this. Look, And when we take screenshots... But it's healthy. Like I said, a problem shared is a problem halved. Absolutely. All right. But I think that pretty much, wrap, pretty much even wraps up this episode. Yeah, thanks for listening. Cool. Um, thanks to Rocky Nook for being the sponsor and the say we'll be announcing the winners of the book so make sure you comment on social media which is at he shoots he draws hashtag HSHD <laughs> hashtag Let YOLO other people hashtag... know about it as well share this out Let's yeah this, please uh... do and if you if you feel kind enough and we've entertained you feel free to leave a comment on iTunes um, be honest you know because if you don't like the podcast or there's something about it please tell us please tell us why 
Don't be a troll. Don't be a troll. Listen to episode two. Don't be a troll. Yeah. Right, Dave, I'll catch you next time. I'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.